It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy weekend to you. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour, and we are ably assisted in that regard on the technical side by our buddy, tall guy, Nathan. How are you, Nathan? Good morning, Gary and Suzanne. Doing so far so good. Enjoying, well, enjoyed phase three while it lasted. Unfortunately, we got to be get going back to phase two here shortly. Aww. But in the meantime, just taking it day by day, going with the flow and... Oh, one second. Uh, ouch! Uh, got my first <laughs> round of the vaccine, so really happy to know I'm starting to get the protection underway. Well, there you go. It sounded like that one bounced more than stuck in, but that's okay. That can happen, too. Well, in all actuality, I uh, getting the vaccine, the injection was very easy. I felt absolutely nothing when they Good. were poking me with a needle. Yep. The only thing I felt was, you know, when you touch something metallic, has a little right. bit cool to the touch that yes. just felt a little tiny bit of chilliness from the needle, but that was it. I, for a second, I thought I never actually got it. I was like, wait, did you, you put it in, right? <laughs> That's how smooth <laughs> yeah. and easy it was. Yeah. Oh my God, there's a joke in there that I won't tell. But anyway, oh <laughs> when, it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to the J&J jab, that's what I got. Suzanne is a whole other story. And what kind did you get? Nathan? I went with Pfizer. Pfizer, okay. So we're all different because I had my first Moderna and scheduled for my second Moderna this Tuesday. So mm. we all have different brands and we will find out about our guest as well. I'm quite sure she has observed the protocol to the nth degree. This is the second time that this lady has been on with us. We had such a good time with her last fall. We said, we got to do this again. Oh, yeah. And we found a great opportunity today. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Dr. Drayvon James is the founder of Everyday Peace, the host of Everyday Peace on Unity Radio, a life coach, and the author of Freedom is Your Birthright. As an inspirational speaker, Drayvon's goal is to educate, empower, and inspire others to build the life of their dreams, no matter what shows up in their lives, good, bad, or otherwise. Her journey began in poverty on the south side of Chicago, though she had always dreamt of a career on the stage. Drayvon went on to earn a doctorate in pharmacy from Creighton University and has worked as a pharmacist all of her adult life. Along with her medical career and theatrical aspirations, Drayvon has always had a keen interest in personal development. After reading Norman Vincent Peale's The Power of Positive Thinking in college, she went on to make a lifelong study of the power we all have to create the life we want. She is now the happy mother of two teenagers, a successful pharmacist, inspirational speaker, author, and actress whose career credits include a recurring role on HBO's acclaimed The Wire, many stage plays, and independent films. She continues to inspire and teach what she knows to be the most effective tool for transforming, creating, and building a spectacular life, tapping into everyday peace. Welcome for the second time to Manson Mitchell, Dr. Drayvon James. Oh, it is so great to be here. I'm happy to be here with you guys. Drayvon, let, let's get right down to it now. Was it Pfizer, Moderna, J&J? Which route did you take? Okay, it's going to be Pfizer. You would not believe that I have not done it yet, 
but my schedule is so crazy. Every time I think I'm going to pop up and get it, I don't work in patient care, so I wasn't ah. a priority. But um, I could do it anymore. So it would be Pfizer. That's the most predominant one that we are using right now. Ah. As a pharmacist, aren't you seeing lots of sick people coming in? Yeah, I, I work in administration, so I, uh, okay. I, don't, see, I don't see any <laughs> patients anymore. Thir- 31 years in this career, I'm, I'm, I'm on the other end of it now, other side of it. <laughs> well, it's interesting when Gary and I were talking about our interview today, Gary said, why haven't we talked to her about her time in television? Well, partly because Gary and I don't have HBO. So we haven't seen The Wire, but I understand you have a recurring role on there as Grace Sampson. How did that all come about? Yeah, Grace Sampson and her sister Queenie. So I played two characters in one show. So that was really, really, really nice. And um, so I, yeah, I have an agent and, you know, I auditioned. The funny thing about that story, I tell people never give up on your dreams. I wanted to be on that show and I auditioned uh, for maybe three seasons or three times and for different roles. And when it was right, the producer said to me, why have you never auditioned before? I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I've, you know, I've been here three on three separate times, auditioned for three separate roles. But when it was right, not only did they offer me that role, but they offered me two roles to play the sister and the, um, you know, the school teacher. And it was great. It was an awesome experience. It is the biggest thing, I think, as far as pe- recognition um, that I've done. But I've done like a lot of wonderful stage plays and few commercials. Acting is my, I used to say it was my first love, but when I really opened up to doing the thing that I was afraid to do, which is to bear my soul uh, with my everyday peace philosophy, that quickly became my first love and acting became uh, a close second, very, very close second. I'm curious to know, and for me to draw this analogy surprises me as I'm sitting here, you also have to be of a certain age to even begin to appreciate this. So I guess there's some virtue in it. But I can recall, Drayvon, that there was a uh, a movie that I really enjoyed. I've only seen it a couple of times, but I found it fascinating. Back in the mid-1970s, it was called Network. And with this movie, which lost out for Best Picture to Rocky, by the way, so there is th- that little factoid there. But in Network, I remember that the late, great Patty Chayefsky, the screenwriter, there put this trope in so that the people, including Faye Dunaway, who was in that movie, they were looking to put together a show, it would be a cop show, and they were looking for an older protagonist that they described as, and repeatedly described, as craggy but benign. We have to get the right guy to be craggy but benign. And when I think of The Wire, I wonder if the producers or especially the director would come up to you and say, now what we're looking for here is gritty realism. With the wire, it's like it was it was it was remarkable to say the least, but it was also much in common conversation around people at work. We we'd have these conversations about the wire. They're okay, this showcases Baltimore. It's not showing Baltimore as some glorious place. They come to the inner harbor in the National Aquarium and watch an Orioles game. It was more like, okay, this is what happens in the streets. And I'm wondering there when you were there as Grace Sampson and playing her sister, looking at these roles, what angle did they give you to work with in terms of framing your character? Oh, that's a great question. And so uh, there were times in, first of all, you get to build your character yourself, which is beautiful, right? Uh, I do love that. So 
um, a lot of times the director won't say anything if they like the way you've built out your character and you've designed it in such a way and they can see the meat there. But there are certain scenes. I remember one scene in particular was in the cafeteria as Grace Sampson and the director kept saying to me, what are you feeling in this moment? What are you feeling in this moment? And so that was his major question is, you know, how I wanted to come across in that moment as the teacher who was breaking in this new uh, teacher into this all uh, inner city black school, white teacher from a suburban area and how I was going to integrate him here. You know, what was I feeling for him? But other than that, uh, they pretty much let me, I don't know if it's for everybody, but I, I had a certain idea from the writing. And, and then of course, it all happens synergistically when you get on the set with the other actor, you feed off their energy. So they kind of just let us go, or let me go in, in the direction that I wanted to go in. To have that kind of artistic freedom, that means they were trusting you to do the best you could with that. A vote of confidence is always nice to have. Yeah, yeah, it really, it really is. And sometimes, you know, I, I do a lot of stage plays too. It's nice to see you know, sometimes that a director has a totally different vision and it stretch, stretches me at least to um, embark on something. I'm like, oh, I didn't quite read it that way. But to make that come alive too is nice when someone tells you, okay, that's nice, but I want you to do something totally opposite. And that's kind of invigorating to think, oh, I could do it that way too. And use the same words, but become a different person. It's amazing. I think that's terrific. I just have one follow-up. Suzanne's got a ton of material to bring up here with you, but my one follow-up would be, was there an actor or actress that you admired, but in a particular way in that you watched them work? Maybe they were a method actor and you watched this fellow professional work in such a way as to be curious about how they developed a character because you know, the, the good actor, I've always been told, inhabits a character. You take it on, you become that. And some people work very methodically at it. And other people are in movies where it's a vehicle for them. And it's like, oh, that's a so-and-so movie because they just fit that kind of part every time they're on screen. Oh my goodness. And now that you're saying this, if I wasn't on this show, I could call her name, but I'm going to say the movie, and you guys are going to know her name, The Devil Wears Prada. What was her Oh, Meryl name? Street. Meryl Street, right? So I, she could do any role to me because yes. she, right, she, they, they don't have to write a role for her. Right. right? She can walk in and embrace anything. And I I watch her. Uh, <laughs> she just, she dazzles me every time that you don't have to write a role for and I, and I think it's great when, when they'll write roles for you, but I think it's even more spectacular when you could write a role and the person just walks in and says, I got it. I can do that. I can embody that. I, I, she is one of my very favorite actresses. I think she is a chameleon. <laughs> I mean, we have seen her do so many different types of roles mm-hmm. and she does all of them spectacularly. So I am a big, big Meryl Streep fan. Right. I mean, she surprises you every time. He's like, oh, my gosh, that too. So she's amazing. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. When Speaking of amazing, you know, <clears throat> Gary and I are finding, <clears throat> excuse me, your own biography here quite amazing. I, I laughed when I was reading your bio earlier and I said, happy mother of two teenagers. There is no such thing as a happy mother of two teenagers. That's, Busy, harried, these we understand. Yes, understand happy, those. I don't know about but 
the fact that you're doing so many things as a pharmacist, as an actress, as a mother of two, you know, all these things are going on. I mean, I said to Gary, she's a Renaissance woman. I mean, you seem to do a lot of everything and, you know, plate must be very full and overflowing. Where do you spend the majority of your time or is it pretty equally balanced? Yeah, you know, it's so interesting. I've always been a person who shied away from the word balance unless it was necessary to use it in a spelling bee or something, right? Because I believe in harmony, like, you know, I, and my philosophy, everyday peace is built on this, this pyramid, health, wealth, and relationships. But people say, oh, you should put equal amount of time into everything. I think that sometimes in our lives, some things are gonna need more time and other things will need less time and it'll all, it'll all come to this nice harmony. So my children are now older and, you know, I have a, a junior in college and a senior in high school. So the type of mothering they need is different. So I, that helps me out a lot. But um, my passion, my passion, I try to give so much of my time to my passion and let that drive my life. There was something I heard early, early on in my life as a mom. It said, if you look at a woman's uh, checkbook, you'll see her passion, Right. And so I looked at my checkbook and I could just see all the stuff for children, 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 children. <laughs> but now I realize if you actually look at where I spend my time, you'll see my passion. And I try to spend most of my time in, in some form of service, service to others, but also that service is uh, feeding me as well, you know, my soul and, and my growth and development. You know, it's interesting that you say service because as we have talked to people low these many 14 plus years on the radio, it, it seems as though there is a, a point where we are talking with someone who has lived a very full and rich life. And in, in the end, they say it is about service. It is when there's nothing left to do, when you've accumulated all the money, when you have your health, when you have love in your life, and you're saying, what do I do next? It, it seems as though the answer is always to be in service to humanity doing something. Yeah. And, and I tell people all the time, too, so if we get to that place earlier in our life. That's the cure for so many things, right? I work with clients who can't move forward because of maybe they're shy or they're introverted or maybe they're perfectionists. And I always say to them, so now that focus is all on you. When you take the focus off of you and you think about how whatever it is that you have come to do could benefit one person, even if your hair isn't just right, even if your language isn't just right, even if you don't have all of this perfect, if there's one person that you're going to reach today that would help, would you be willing to go forth and do it? And I've never had a person tell me, no, I couldn't. Right? So in, in the back of our minds, we do know that it is everything that we do is about how we can service at least one other person. It's just to be reminded of that. The philosophy behind unity, generally, categorically, it's often referred to as new thought, which is a big umbrella. What was it that first attracted it, attracted you to that philosophy? And I should add that you wouldn't be the first because there are churches, particularly in the L.A. area, where the cultural creatives, the people who are by nature very creatively expressed individuals and creatively evolved, gravitate toward unity and science of mind, etc., under this new thought umbrella. It's a place to be who you really are. 
Right. So um, I was raised, this is interesting, my mom had the wisdom. I was raised going to two churches uh, for most of my life, New Thought Church, we went there on Saturdays, and then a Pentecostal church, which was um, my mom's religion, and went there on Sundays. So it gave me a very broad and open um, a flow to my to my creativity when it came to serving a higher power. So although I'm not a member of, of Unity, I do a lot of work with Unity, but I'm open to creativity and and the understanding that it's all connected it is all whether we call it new thought or uh traditional church it's all connected we're all saying the same thing using a different language and different words but when we get down to the core of it it's the same thing one of the um our our motivations for having you today and today of all days we um we got the information that April was Stress Awareness Month and May is National Women's Health Month. And I went, wow, May 1 is like right on the cusp, finished with one thing, starting with another thing. And, I, and while men definitely have their stresses in life, here we are on this cusp of stress awareness and women's health, and we're, we're just right there. We're, we're standing on the border between those two things. And so I wanted you to talk a little bit about both stress and women's health, because today's the perfect day to do that. Oh, my goodness. Stress and women's health. First of all, I have to say that one thing we can say about men, they probably don't stress about their health so much because a lot of them avoid the doctor, don't they? <laughs> I know for years we would get after my grandfather, go to the doctor, go to the doctor, because, oh, you wouldn't be so worried if you didn't keep going to the doctor. <laughs> so I know. <laughs> but I know that when we talk about stress, there is, and I know you're right, men do have their their degree of stress and they, um, you know, it's a lot of it out there. Men are more likely to die of heart attacks from stress than women are, right? But women, um, I think during this time period, we're nurturers, that's first of all. And that means we take on a lot more. We have a tendency to take on a lot more and put ourselves in this position of being overwhelmed so frequently. We live in that space, sort of. That's like our comfort zone. If we're not overwhelmed, if our schedule is not overbooked, if we are not taking time to smell the daisies, then there, there we're in our comfort zone. And it's almost a competition to stay in that place if you really listen to women talk. So for one thing, I think, to help us with our stress level is to go back and honor ourselves through self-awareness. First of all is to realize, have we, have we generated a life of being overwhelmed um, in order to detract attention from our self-awareness? We'd have to deal with some things that maybe we don't want to deal with or, and address some frustrations that exist in our life that we don't want to address. So we keep piling on, you know, one, one, one activity after another, one, one sense of service. And I talked about my need to serve, right? But that's not just uh, germane to me. That's Probably most women in some capacity feel most whole when they're in a place of service. But the interesting thing about that is if we really want to talk about stress awareness and reducing stress, the first place where we have to serve is self. Right? We've got to get in that place where we're okay with spending time with self, taking care of self so that we can serve from our overflow that automatically reduces stress. 
some years ago when I was in a seminar, I was telling somebody that, you know, I have all these things to do and I'm extremely busy and my plate is overflowing and I'm overwhelmed and I've got this and that and this and that and this and that. And then somebody said, well, who said you have to do all that? And I had to think about that for a while. So it wasn't as though that somebody from the outside was telling me that I need to take care of all these things. I put that on me. And and when I realized that I put that on me, I realized that I could take that off me. But then there's a lot of ego tied in with look at all that I can do. Look at how powerful I am. Look at all the things that I can do. And it has been a, a, a lifetime of effort to sometimes do nothing. And, and every once in a while, I'll, I'll sit on the sofa, I'll look out into the backyard, five, 10 minutes, not a long time, but it feels like a long time just to do nothing, not to always have a to-do list in front of me. But I think women almost, or at least I do, I feel guilty. It's like, oh, they've got so much to do. I shouldn't be sitting here doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's that, there's that combination of stress and health. You know, it's healthy to do nothing once in a while. And, you know, we have to, we have to take that time, you know, yeah. carve that out. 10 minutes a day. Oh, I love that 10 minutes a day. I got to tell you this funny story when you were saying that when I had my daughter, I joined a women's group because I, I wanted support. I wanted to be around other mothers of young children. And my daughter, daughter wasn't even a year old and a few months. And so I get to the women's group and it was my time away, my, you know, without the baby for me to be with some other women. And when we got to this group, the entire conversation was about, who got four hours of sleep? Oh, I could beat that. I got three hours of sleep. Oh, I could beat that. I got two and a half hours of sleep. And after a couple of sessions of me attending this group, I realized this was really uh, the badge of honor was going to be was here for these mm-hmm. ladies or how busy, how overwhelmed, because you're right. It was ego involvement because many yeah. of them had, had left corporate jobs and, and come home and they still had this need to compete uh, in some fashion to show themselves to be worthy through their deeds, right? Right, right. Through their, through their deeds. And that really causes a lot of stress for women, um, which our, our source of self comes through our nurturing, not so much through our deeds, but we get the two mixed up, right? Because when you can sit and hold space with someone, how nurturing is that? That is so nurturing. I think back to my you know, grandmother, I'd be upset about something and she was just, Tell me, come sit beside me for a minute. And just in that sitting, there's no talking, there's no anything, we're just sitting. How just holding space and being able to sit in the silence. If we could do it 10 minutes a day, I think that would be a wonderful goal to set, to re-regulate our whole internal system to a more peaceful state. It starts with being able to just sit and be able to clear our mind. And at first we'll, we'll notice that the mind doesn't want to be clear, right? It resists right. against that, but force it. You know, Just like you would do a child on timeout, sit mm-hmm. for these 10 minutes, just sit. You're not on punishment. You're here to listen and regain and recompose yourself. It makes a big difference. And it would go a long way 
to reducing our overall stress um, uh, levels. In fact, they say that if we went outside in any weather and got some sunlight, whether it's a gray day out or not, 10 minutes a day, we'd see our stress levels start to dissipate. Mm, I love that. It's just so important to be mindful because it can run away from us. I've caught myself just this week in a couple of situations, one of which was fueled by caffeine and no breakfast. And I wondered why I was talking a mile a minute in an office to someone and I had to purposely slow down just to get my point across and wrap up that transaction. But you know, Drayvon, it's so interesting how people will get so caught up in the flow of their lives that we forget about what we're doing to ourselves, about the stresses that we accept in our minds, but also in our bodies. And then we get to carry that around until we have an awakening, either through some epiphany or perforce, because something goes wrong with us and we have to sit down and take a look at that. Yeah. So, right. And, and, and that epiphany usually happens because another stressful event occurs, like something happens that we consider to be catastrophic, right? Whatever level of catastrophic it is, it happens and it forces us to stand still for a minute, right? So that there is usefulness in everything that occurs in our life if we would let it be useful to us. But sometimes when we have those events, it is to make us stop because one of the great things that happens during stress for us is that we super focus, Right. We focus on something, whether it be, and it's usually the problem. Let me just say that. It's usually whatever whatever the problem is, because the underlying emotion behind stress is always fear. It is always fear. Whether it's stress over a happy event, you're planning a wedding, the underlying thing is, I'll forget this. I won't do this. This won't happen. This person won't show up. The dress won't fit. It's these fears. And once we can stop and listen and and redirect that focus. We can only do that through space and time, allowing ourselves to sit down, be quiet, or walk in nature, something that allows us to re-regulate the pace of our internal system. Excellent. We need to take our one break of the hour. Let's do that. We're talking with Drayvon James. She has so much to say, so much to offer, so much that she has accomplished. And a lot of that, I'm happy to say, in a form that is accessible to you. When we come back, we will continue this conversation, and then we will find a way to put you in touch. Well, I think Drayvon's already found it. We're going to give her the opportunity to talk about it in what we call the marketing piece. As soon as we come back, we'll just be gone a couple of minutes. Stick with us. You're listening to Manson Mitchell right here at Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away 
to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. You pledged your life to serve, to make our country stronger, safer, more free, more equal. You worked tirelessly, made sacrifices, missed first steps and birthdays, lost loved ones. At VA, we don't see the setbacks endured. We see lessons applied and passion driving you upward and forward. We don't see all the masks you wear, but we hope you can set some aside. We embrace your uniqueness and won't trivialize your past, your fears, or your hardships. We can't promise to heal all wounds or wash away all trauma, but we do see hope, a path forward, a future. We see all veterans. We see you. An opportunity to help you achieve a new mission, whatever that may be. Learn how treatment works and recovery is possible. Visit maketheconnection.net. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcome Harriet Baskus, who talks about natural and man-made oddities for what we like to call Wired for Weird in the PNW. On Saturday, Hank Garrett returns with more stories from his book, From Harlem Hoodlum to Hollywood Heavyweight, including his role on Columbo and famous fist fight with Robert Redford. Bringing you mastery and mystery one hour at a time since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Make us part of your daily routine. Alternative Talk, 1150. <laughs> Welcome back to Manson Mitchell. and our Wonderful, wonderful. That was a Martha, and she brought along her vandellas. <laughs> we are talking with Dr. Drayvon James. If our listeners would like to connect with you, Dr. James, where can they find you on social media, on a website, anywhere, and get your book and all that good stuff? Well, my website, thank you for asking, is www. Dot doctor, and that's just drdravonjames.com. So just my name, drdravonjames.com. On my website, you'll find out everything about me. I'm happy to say that it's been totally revamped, so I love people to go there and take a look at it. Um, and then on my social media, just Dr. Drayvon James. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. And uh, I got a weekly podcast, as you guys know, called Everyday Peace, where we endeavor to do one thing is to show people how to live their life of peace every day and no matter what's going on. And that's every Monday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's on the Unity Online Radio Network. And if we have all the shows archived. So if you miss a live show, you just go on there, click on my name and picture. You can listen to archives back for several years if you like. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. And just, I want to let people know Dravon is D-R-A-V-O-N, just the way it sounds, D-R-A-V-O-N, Dr. Dravon James. When Suzanne and I set up shop here on Saturday mornings, we talk about what bumper music do we want to use? Coming back from the break, what tune do you want to use? Typically, Suzanne will ask me to provide that. And it occurred to me this morning that Nowhere to Run really typifies the kind of person who caught up in their stress in the lack of peace in their lives on a daily basis, 
will quite often seek to run from a problem to escape rather than stopping, considering, and solving the problem in a more methodical and considerate way. And so I thought that song fit because a lot of us at some point in our lives will we'll uproot ourselves and move someplace precisely because we're running from something or someone. Haven't you found that with your clientele? Oh, yes. I love the fact that you brought that up. That is so true. One of my mom's favorite expressions, I know you guys have probably heard this, is no matter where you go, there you are. Right? Yes. Yes. So I love that. And I, I use that when I talk to people and when I talk to myself is to realize that self-awareness is going to be the only way through this situation. We can prolong the learning and development and the growth and development that's supposed to happen by trying to run from it. And it's not to say that sometimes a change in a job, a change in a location, a change in relationship status is not the answer. It, it possibly could be the answer. But it is always second to self-awareness. And I love that fact, nowhere to run to, nowhere to hide. I wholeheartedly believe in this approach of leaning into the situation, finding out, especially when it comes to stress. Because as I mentioned, stress always carries with it the F word, fear. Finding out where this, what is it that I'm afraid of here? What am am I thinking? What, What has got me so bothered Where is the fear and facing that head on so it doesn't become like this um, boogeyman under the bed getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Once you shed the light of awareness on it, then you don't even really have to go for a solution. You just have to be in that awareness and organically, organically, you become more and more creative and solutions come. So people get even more stressed out looking for the answer. Just look for where this fear is coming from. What is what is the source of this stress? You know, what do you think? I got to say this really quickly. I have a son who's getting ready to go off to college. I find myself getting to that empty nester fear a stress. And I keep asking myself, what are, what are your fears? Oh, I'm afraid he can't do it on his own. I'm afraid for his safety. And I just talk myself through that. Would he be the first kid to go to college? No, he would not. You know, <laughs> so I talk myself through all those fears and the stress level starts to come down. My, my self-awareness. Nobody has a life that is completely free of stress unless they are a patient with a lobotomy sitting in a room somewhere. So we all have it. And I think it's partly we're looking at how do we manage it so that it doesn't overtake us. So a little bit of stress is okay. And you use the word creative. Is that what we can do under stress is get creative? What, what kinds of things can we use as, as coping mechanisms when we feel overwhelmed or feel like we have too much stress? What can, what can we do to actually use it if we can't get away from it? Right. Oh, I love that question. And you're right. We're not going to eliminate stress 100% from our life because not all stress is bad stress. If you're planning a wedding, if you're having a baby, if you're getting a brand new job that you want, those events can produce stress in your life because the brain uh, uh, categorizes stress as fear of the unknown, right? So there we have it. Stress is going to be with us to the end of time. But when we find that we're becoming, where it's becoming a problem, we're having um, negative effects from the stress and and even before then. But when you're really noticing that I am overwhelmed, I have this inability to sleep as well, or my diet has changed, or there's a sense of ruminating and worry all the time. What can you do with that energy? Because stress is 
energy. The first thing, and I've mentioned a few times, is become self-aware. Use that, that stress as a reminder, as an aha. I need to turn my attention inward and start focusing on what I need in this moment, right? And allow your creativity to go there. But stress also is a, is a, can remind us that this is an opportunity for me to breathe. So often during the day, we enhance our the negative impacts of stress because we are creating what I call our physical barriers with our body. We're holding our breath and we're bracing and we're tense, right? We're trying to create a barrier so nothing gets in and nothing gets out. It is the body's way of trying to protect itself from whatever fear that is in stress that's going to overtake them. So use that opportunity when you're feeling stress to take those deep, really uh, involved breaths. Deep inhale to maybe to the count of three or four, the count that never matters. I always stop on that because people get tricked. Up. How many did she say? So I try to change it up each time. So, <laughs> so it doesn't, the count doesn't matter. Just that you're consciously taking that deep breath in. Hold it for the same count. If you're doing a three count, hold it for a three count and then completely exhale for a three count and do that three times. That just refocuses you. Stress allows you to breathe and get things recirculated. So when you're feeling stress, that's an opportunity to breathe. Remember that. Release the shoulders. Stop making this barrier with your body. Stop doing that. Fresh air, always, always a reminder to get out in the fresh air. And diet, 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 a diet that includes living organisms, plants, you know, live raw foods, not all, it doesn't have to be all raw, I'm not fanatical, but some live, some real food that can really nourish your body and sleep and sleep and sleep becomes easier. The more breathing techniques you do and the more time outdoors you do. I don't know, I, I'm not an expert on grounding, but I do use grounding some time with my with me in touch with the earth, right? My hands, my feet in touch with the earth so that you're re-regulating the body. Use that as ways of transmuting stress energy into creative energy because it's really all just energy, right? The energy doesn't, you know, energy is neither created or destroyed. We all know that from our days in high school, right? In science classes, right? It just transmutes form. So when you have that stress energy, that's energy that is available to be used in another way. We're not trying to become less energetic. We're just trying to transmute that energy. And I want to give you this, a quick question that transmutes stress energy right away is, I wonder how this is going to work out for my good. Oh, I like that. That's a great practice I in and like of itself that. because I found going back to the 70s that if I ask a question sincerely desiring to know the answer not just one of those rhetorical questions but actually wanting to know no matter what it is the universe or mind or source however we want to describe it will supply that answer it's almost like we're making if not a demand we're making an, an earnest request of the source of it all and if we need the information, and sometimes at very unguarded moments, that information, that insight will come to us. It's very reliable. It is very reliable. You know, and we talked about uh, new thought, and I told you I was raised Pentecostal. And there, I always remember this phrase, before you have asked, the universe has answered, right? 
So when we get to the space where we're able to sincerely say, I wonder how this is going to work out for my good. We don't even have to ponder the answer. We're, we're switching, we're transmuting that energy, that stress energy, that worry energy is now becoming curious energy. And the answer comes to us. Oh, this is what I'm supposed to do in this moment. And we don't have to go looking for it. It doesn't have to be forced. Really stress energy is to remind us to get back and flow. Sometimes I think when we come to an answer too quickly, it's like, uh, well, I'm just going to put that here in this little, you know, cubby hole and that'll be fine. That's the answer. It may not be the best answer. And I like the idea of staying with the question. I wonder how this is going to work out for my good is such a fabulous question but don't answer it too quickly because you might want to ask that question several times and see what shows up. Sometimes answers have a tendency to shut things down where staying in a question keeps things open to a lot of possibilities, not just one possibility. Does that make sense? Oh, that's the, that's the next level of self-awareness right there is not having to rush towards an answer. You know, we hear that there's a yeah. problem and all of a sudden we want to move to, to the resolution. Right. Instead of just being in this space, in the space of awareness, I'm aware that there's something going on. I'm aware that this feels a little off in the body and letting, letting the whole system, the whole system work towards resolution instead of the mind the, the brain or the ego going straight to resolution. And we know that the brain is the most advanced piece of technology on the earth, but it's also the most primitive because it, it uses past experiences. And when it doesn't, when it can't find something in the catalog there, it sends a signal, danger, Will Robinson, more stress, more stress, more stress. So we just be comfortable and say, I am comfortable in my awareness. And now I am, I am grateful. And there's that gratitude, which is always always an answer to just about every question that we have is to find something in that moment to be grateful for. So in this stressful moment, I am grateful for my awareness that there's something off-centered here. I'm grateful to be aware of that. I'm surprised when you say that the brain is the most primitive. And when you're talking about the whole system has the answer. And, and, and I guess, I guess, what I'm wondering is, um, are we talking about being too analytical and kind of shutting down our intuitive side? Or when you say the whole system, what do you mean by the whole system? So we're, we're, I love that question. Thank you. Because most of the time we're just relying on the thoughts that run through the right. brain, right? right? And so the brain has this wonderful ability to to adapt, to change, to, to reason itself, as you said, to be analytical, right? Yes. And oftentimes we can reason ourselves into anything or out of anything. That's how intelligent this brain is, right? But it's doing that based on past experiences. It's going through this catalog and saying, oh yeah, I remember this. I don't remember that. I don't know that. And so that's how it gets us into the state of either depression or, or anxiety. But the yeah. body can't, can't reason like that. The body directly responds to the now, right? 
to the now, which is why if you you know you walk somewhere and somebody sprays some water in your face, the body flinches immediately. But you're looking at the brain sees that it's just a little spray thing; it can't hurt you. But the body responds immediately. It responds to the now, and this whole system, the knowledge of the past, the now, is all meant to work together to create the future that we want. Is when we shut off our responses from the from the body and say, you know what, I'm not going to go with what my gut is feeling. That's irresponsible. I'm not going to pay attention to my emotions. That's irresponsible. I'm only going to use my brain. Well, that's not using the whole system. That's it's meant to function all together like an orchestra. It does work that way to such an extent that our very fine doctor here in Sarasota says, in fact, he puts it on a dry erase board in all of his offices. When you go in, it's just about the first thing you see. Pay attention to your words because your body hears every word you say. And I thought that is perfect. Is it not perfect? You know, and that's why I try to avoid, for example, saying I am sick and tired of this, that, and the other thing, because shortly thereafter, I feel sick and tired. (laughs) Right. You know, and I, I, I say this all of the time too, is that whatever we say after the word I am, that is our prophetic <laughs> statement, right? Uh, yes. I, it, it will soon become your reality. The, the universe will respond in kind. There you go. <laughs> That's why I have so many people out of nowhere saying, cancel spirit. You see, yes. When I first began studying metaphysics in, in earnest back in the mid 90s, we'd have people do that. I'd go, wow, what happened here? What are we going? I think maybe that was our form of Pentecostalism to tell you the truth. <laughs> We're interacting with the universe. But, you know, I still say that sometimes, cancel, cancel, cancel. <laughs> I still say it sometimes, you know, because we, we're, we're all a work in progress, right? There's no perfection in, in this. It's just the beautiful journey of life, right? And you get every opportunity to improve every day. And we do find ourselves, or I find myself sometimes, you know, I'll get really tired. I'll say, I am tired. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute, cancel, cancel, cancel. I, I am grateful for my rejuvenation, <laughs> I like that. I'm grateful for my rejuvenation and my restored energy level. <laughs> yes, and my my 15 minute lie down that I took before the show. That's right. what I needed to get restored when I was feeling oh my god, just overwhelmed. I said I'm going right. to lie down for 15 minutes. Right. And, and yeah. isn't that a great way to self love and reduce stress too? Is yeah. to honor what we need in that moment. And I think for for women's health issue, that's one of the major things that we need to be taught. It is not only is is it okay, but it is right to honor what you need in that moment and to honor it first, because from honoring that, you can service at a higher level. And that that that's exactly what I wanted to do. I didn't want to come to our interview today being too tired or not being able to think clearly. And so, yeah, I did take that little bit of time just to get myself, you know, renewed and, and ready for today. And I have to stay on my toes when I talk to you. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> I do the same when I talk to you guys, because you're just awesome. <laughs> oh, I'm kind of, I wanted to go in a little bit different direction, which is go to ahead. loop back to uh, the world of popular entertainment. Drayvon, when you look at, at television and movies today, just as one example, um, I felt like, you know, and I'm using a word that is is become controversial and I didn't think that it would be, but there's a lot of discussion around this concept of being woke. 
there. And I thought, well, there are things to which I need to be awakened. If that's what we're talking about, that's for sure there. And I looked at the Oscars presentation and I thought it is very reassuring to me that in this creative community, there are people brave enough and who feel that they have in a sense, community permission to say some things that need to be said. And at the same time, I look at the sorts of movies that are awarded and nominated. And I'm thinking, man, that this isn't the days when you had a lot of uh, romantic comedies and Westerns and Bob Hope up there handing out Oscars. This whole cultural shift we're experiencing is telling us a great deal with immediacy who we are and where we might want to go. Does it look that way to you at all? Yes. You know, I think because of our ability to tell so many stories and get those stories out to a vast, um, to the world, we are becoming a more woke nation where things that cannot happen in silence anymore. They can't just occur in silence anymore. Right. And, and that has its benefits, uh, maybe to shed the light of awareness and to minimize those things. But we also get to hear the voices of many other people. So they, I, and I, so funny, I started to name my new film that I just finished writing, Woke. <laughs> That's how it's becoming too. So, so I changed the title. But anyway, but yeah, I, I do. I, pre, I appreciate this new awakeness that we're, you know, having here. And, and I don't know much about this, but I read, I read somewhere that we're now moving into this era of communication, right? I believe uh, we just came out of one era, and I don't want to say the terms wrong, but one of the things in communication, in my mind at least, is that as we communicate, we will become more woke, as you say, about so many different topics because we're communicating more effectively. Doesn't mean we're going to agree. Doesn't mean that we're going to come to the end that I want or someone else wants, but the awareness really is the most powerful tool we'll have out of this experience of being woke. I love that. Yeah. Well, thanks for, I just wanted to open up that space because I was wondering what Drayvon might have to say about that. You're in that community, you're in various communities. Yeah. So you really get to see and deal with the cross current of American society. I can see where that would be challenging. Yeah. And you know what I love about acting since we're talking about, I, what I love about acting is this ability to um, to recreate a world that already exists from from some medium, from the stage or from film, but also to create a world that you would like to exist. I love that because so much of our reality is created on those stages and on that film, right? People see it there and then they want to bring it back to their to their life. So I think we have a responsibility not only to tell the story as it is but also maybe to shape it a little bit too, because the media has the ability to do that. Yes, and you know, it's interesting. We, we talk to people that, that say we have chosen this time in which to be alive. And, and Gary will agree and say he chose this time to be alive because he wanted to be around for the Beatles. And and when we run into young people, younger people who like Beatles music, we can say we were young, but we were there. We were little kids and we were dancing in front of the TV when, you know, they were on Ed Sullivan. And yeah. so when I look at, you know, if I chose to be alive at this time, not just for the Beatles in the 1960s, but for all of it, for, you know, Vietnam, for... 
um, you know, everything that has come along during that time, it, I've been through the worst of it. I've been through a lot of fear and I've also been through a lot of hope about things getting better in my lifetime. And I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but I do feel very positive right now about the direction things are moving in. And I don't know if that's planetary or human or what, but I do have a lot of optimism about that. So do I, you know, I, I, Charles Dickens said, you know, this is the best of times. It is the worst of times. And I feel as though, uh, and and I got to say with you, I do agree that we chose this time to be here, Mm. right? For For whatever we came to learn and for whatever we came to give. And so in every experience, there's give and take. Mm-hmm. And so we, it is what we do with these, what we call the worst of times. What do we do with that energy? How do we use that energy for the betterment of not only ourselves, but for our environment, mm-hmm. right? In our own right. special little way. Because each one of us, there are no extra people. That's another one of my beliefs. Each one of us is going to take that information, internalize it as we will, all of us do, and then put it back out into the world in some way or fashion. That's our job is to take and give take, transmute, and give. And because to all appearances anyway, and I certainly believe it, the universe as a a spiritual reality that expresses itself physically in a miraculous way, there is never a shortage of opportunity to find ways to express what it is you want to give to life, what it is you want to do for humanity, or perhaps for the animal kingdom. It's just marvelous to me to think about the universe as being this endless matrix. I love that. And you're so right. Wherever you are, I hear people all the time say, I can't do my gift because I don't have this or I'm not there. And the what you just said is so true. There are endless opportunities. Start now, start small, but start now and continue in your service. That's what you came for. You'll know it. It's in your gut. You can feel it. Start wherever you can start. Do a little bit today and a little bit tomorrow. Before you know it, you'll be walking in that passion and in that service. Well, that's a high note on which to end. We are ending on that. No, Dr. Drayvon James, so wonderful to have you with us again. And we look forward to our third visit. I look forward to it. You guys have to promise I'll be back. <laughs> oh, yeah. We our promise. people will contact your people. <laughs> we are our people. <laughs> Thank you very much for being with us. And stay tuned. Next up is Jupiter rising. Jupiter's rising once again. Stay safe out there, everybody. This thing's still going on, and we will get through it together. And stay tuned whenever possible to AM 1150 right here in Seattle.